So supposedly I have uh, 10 minutes here. That's going to be a big challenge for me because the older I get, the more I, I tend to uh, wonder in my, my speech here. And uh, my name is Rod Cook. I'm from Syracuse, New York. Um, I don't know how many of you know me, but I was asked to uh, give you a 10-minute uh, presentation, and my parameters were it's supposed to be a missionary experience. Okay, so, well, since I'm not a full-time missionary, or at least in the, the official sense of the word I'm not, um, I, uh, I will give you what I have, and I hope that uh, sharing this will, will at least uh, give you something that would inspire you or encourage you to be a missionary. Okay, what is a missionary? Uh, dictionary definition here, person sent on a religious mission, especially one sent to promote Christianity in a foreign country. Uh, synonym they give is an evangelist. Okay. And uh, what, is our what is our mission as uh, Christians? It's the Great Commission. Go into all the world and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's our theme for camp this year. Okay. So here's a picture. Does anybody know where this is? Neuschwanstein, Germany. That's correct. So let me tell you why I got this picture up here. Okay, so every year at Thanksgiving, my Uncle Bill used to get up after the meal, and us kids would squirm in the seat. And uh, he would start out something like this Once upon a time in a galaxy far, far away. Oh, wait, no, that's Star Wars. Um, oh, you're too young to remember Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars. Okay, anyway, back to the story. So he would go on this long, this long winding story, and I'm going to try to give you the, the synopsis here, but uh, my great-great-grandfather was, uh, lived in Bavaria, Germany, right? And uh, so uh, his uh, friend, uh, Samuel Braun, uh, upon a return from a trip, told him about his conversion. And uh, my grandfather was converted, and uh, all of a sudden, they started to have a decent-sized group of about 30 people. And the government didn't like that. The Bavarian government did not like that they were meeting because they wanted them either to be part of the Catholic Church or the state Protestant Church, right? And so they appealed to the local, uh, the local uh, politicians to allow them to meet. And they got rejected. And they appealed all the way up to King Maximilian. And the king also rejected their appeal to continue meeting as a congregation. And so they came to the U.S., right? And here about eight, in the 1840s here, so if you look at this wonderful chart here, I know you're not, not in school today, but anyway, I have this beautiful chart here that shows in 1850 farming, farming was really taking off as an occupation, right? And uh, so my great-great-grandfather came to Illinois, and he was a farmer, and my great-grandfather was a farmer, and my grandfather was a farmer, and my dad got up at 4 a.m. every morning and milked the cows. Okay? So you can see here that was a, a great thing. Uh, unfortunately for my dad here, if you look at my dad's days back around 1950, farming started to decline, right? So productivity on the farms went up, but the, uh, there were bigger farms with... Uh, with uh, not the smaller farmers were put out of business, basically, right? So here's my dad and mom, and I'm one of those, the cool haircut, 
Um, that's my dad's favorite character. Cause, because my dad had this great opportunity to, uh, to do mission work for the US government. He was sent to Korea. So he went in as a conscientious objector, but uh, he was a medic. So he got to go to the front lines, and he got to, uh, after the main part of the battle is over, he got to go and pick up the bodies and do triage and uh, determine if there was anybody left alive or worth taking back to try to save. Wonderful, wonderful job. I always told my dad that this experience, you know, um, biased him against foreign missions or doing anything outside of Tremont, Illinois. But so then we come to uh, down to my life, right? So my dad eventually went and worked for Caterpillar Tractor Company in manufacturing, and uh, then it comes time for me, and uh, I also started working at Caterpillar Tractor as a as a computer programmer because computer programming was the big thing starting up in my day. Right, I thought that was the wave of the future, and uh, you realize this was 40 years ago now, right? <laughs> anyway, so um, I was living in Tremont, Illinois, and I was just doing great here. I'd been I was converted out of high school, and uh, I wasn't that happy necessarily uh, living in Tremont. Uh, it was kind of too small for me, the the farm time town type of feel, and uh, uh, so I started praying about uh, maybe doing something different and asking the Lord for direction, okay? And uh, make a long story short, uh, I told the God he couldn't show me where to go in the Bible. And uh, uh, next uh, week I opened up to Acts 28.12. It said, landing in Syracuse, we tarried there three days. The Apostle Paul went there for a missionary journey. And I took that, that I should go to Syracuse. So I picked up and went to Syracuse, went back to school. Um, there, and then uh, fortunately the Lord provided a wife for me also while I was in Syracuse, and I'm still in Syracuse today. Okay, now it comes time for my, my kids' generation, right? So here they are in the midst of the continuing technology revolution, and this is uh, statistics here coming up for your days about all the things that are going to be automated here. They'll be able to be done by computers instead of humans. So as you see, you know, I had three, we had three generations of farmers in my family and then a half, three and a half generations of farmers in my family and uh, all of a sudden now uh, the speed of technology has picked up, has picked up uh, greatly, okay? And these are my kids and, and this is what your, your generation is facing, right? So my involvement with missions kind of really took off with my, my children. Um, about the time my oldest, oldest daughter was a senior in uh, high school, um, heard that there were some people that were going to go down to Paraguay and do some work on the church or on the school building down there on uh, Caligo Adonai, right? And so I thought, oh, I always kind of wanted to go on a mission trip, and uh, so maybe this would be the opportunity. So I was originally going to go with my two oldest kids and my my third child begged to go as well, and uh, so being uh, the strict father I am, I gave in. Um, so the three of, the four of us went down there, and we had, uh, we had a good time of not only uh, fellowship, but also uh, being able to work with our hands, which was great for me just to get out of the stress of the, of the uh, typing on the keyboard back at my day job. And so um, the next year, uh, I didn't 
have the time off, but my wife and I packed up the three kids and we sent them again down again for, for a month over their Christmas break. And this eventually turned into a series of years where we, we uh, invited anybody that wanted to go with us, that would put up with us to go down and do a work team and either to work on painting the school or on a building addition. And uh, so this, is, this was kind of my entry into foreign mission work, right? Um, so I got involved with the, the foundation, and I became a trustee, and uh, I had the opportunity back in 2017 to go to Ghana, Africa, and we met with the brothers there. And... Uh, we got home from Ghana, Africa, and uh, we were all really inspired because we got to see the medical mission there and the, the school that they had built there, the, the church school that they had built there. And uh, plus, we visited uh, many of the churches, as many churches as we had time to visit there, there and fellowshiped with the, uh, the brothers and sisters there. And, you know, the thing is, it's, it's really interesting, you know, when I go to Ghana and you sit there and You'd be in a service for like three hours, and I'm like, three hours is gone? If I was back home and they made me sit in a three-hour service, I'd be like, whoa, I can't take that, right? That'd be a long time, but, you know, it was such an inspirational event, especially so inspiring for us that, you know, the time went by like, like nothing, even though we spent, you know, we spent most of the day just there in church. Okay, so we get back to the U.S., and... Uh, Brother Thad gets, gets a uh, letter from, uh, uh, from Jonathan here, right? And it turns out that the believers in Ghana, Africa, had their next generation. They moved, several of them moved to the Worcester, Massachusetts. To, to the, or was that zero? <laughs> okay, near zero. Okay had moved to the Worcester, Massachusetts area, and they, were start, they had started a church there, right? And they were interested in becoming, a, becoming part of the foundation. And uh, it was like, you know, wow, that was really, really interesting. You know, we were just there in Ghana, and this comes back, and, you know, this is really, really thrilling for us and exciting, you know? And, of course, you know, they have their next generation coming up here, too, that they're trying to minister to and to... To bring to the Lord and to teach. Now, obviously, you know, our, the culture in the U.S. or the culture in Paraguay or the culture in Ghana are all very different, right? And, um, and uh, this is one of the things, so this is one of the things I've always, always felt that uh, it's important for us to, uh, to think about as, as missionaries, you know, whether you're here, here in the U.S. or whether you're going to a foreign mission is what culture are you in and how do you relate to that culture? And can you set aside, can you go back to the Bible, and can you distinguish between the way your culture practices the Bible and what, the way another culture might practice the Bible, right? So, um, you know, I think that uh, foreign missions are important because I don't want to go over-glorify foreign missions. I think foreign missions are important because, number one, we have the Great Commission to go to all the world, and the number... Two, it's a preparation for heaven because the Bible says that all nation, the, the glory of nations are going to be in heaven and there will be gathered there people from all nations. Okay? 
So to bring this down to you personally, though, is it's important for you to have a personal mission, right? You need to share the gospel using the gifts and resources that God has given you. And you have to think about where you're sent, where you're going. So if we look at Acts 8, or 1-8, we have four different places that Jesus said that we were supposed to go. Uh, Number one, to Jerusalem. So what's your Jerusalem? Well, your Jerusalem could be that person that's sitting right next to you, right? Or it could be three rows over and two down. Or it could be somebody back in your local town, right? Or your Judah. Somebody here in the country. Could be somebody in another church. Could be somebody someplace else that you meet in your travels in your country. Or Samaria. I always wondered why he put Samaria in there. You know why he put Samaria in there, I think? Uh, Samaria was just like another country to them. It's because the Jews hated Samaritans, right? They were biased against the Samaritans. So I think he specifically called out Samaria because he wanted them to know that, hey, you know, this is a worldwide, this is a worldwide commission. This is, you, you have to go to people whether you like them or not. It's not, uh, it's not selective, right? And finally, the uttermost part of the earth, of course, you know, going to the foreign missions. Okay. So for each of us, missions is a personal journey. It's strongly tied to God's personal call in our lives and the gifts that God has given us, right? However, I don't know how many of you know what your gift is yet. Maybe you don't know, and you're probably still exploring that, right, at your age? At my age, uh, well, shortly, in my high school class, I was voted the most reserved in my class. That means the shyest person in my class, right? So that doesn't really get me out of uh, being a missionary, though, right? God didn't really, doesn't really give us that uh, excuse that, well, I'm too shy. So just like he talked to Moses, and, he's, and when he called Moses to go to back in, and to Egypt and talk to the, the Pharaoh, um, he told him that Moses said, well, you know, I don't speak well. And God said, don't worry, I can give you the words, right? So... In essence, a lot of times God is really more interested in our availability than our ability. So just because you don't think you have the ability, that doesn't mean that God's not going to give it to you, right? So for all of us, it's important to listen to God speaking in our lives and to look at, the, look at where we are in life and to see the mission next door, whether it's the mission next door or the mission across the country or the mission across, throughout the world. It's important to take stock of that in all our lives and to be a missionary in whatever area or areas God is calling us. And even if you aren't called to go, there's many ways to support the missions through prayer, through uh, you're using your resources, whether it's your time or your money, and to give glory to God and to be a missionary in that way. So if you'd like to talk to me more, um, again, I represent the foundation, our brother Thad Lumpson also, who's our executive director and the missionary committee chair. Uh, would love to hear about what mission you're inspired to take on, and we would love to help you develop one if it's something new or if you want to go to one of our existing missions. Before we start, let's bow our heads and pray. Father God, we come before you and thank you, Lord, that we can glorify you. Lord, that there are missions in which these young people, uh, that you will be calling them into. And we pray that, that when they hear that call, whether it's local, whether it's foreign, as we heard, and we thank Brother Rod for this, we pray that you would uh, draw them and call them into those missions that they need to go into and help them. Lord, help as we go through this forum today about technology that is everywhere around us. We pray that 
you would be glorified in everything that is said here and that our hearts, we'd examine our hearts, that we'd look and see, hey, what, what are some areas where sin is dwelling and when we're going down the wrong path? Lord, we pray and give glory to you and your son, Jesus Christ, who died upon the cross, shed his precious blood for our sins. We pray that many this week at camp and in the coming year would turn in faith to you and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and repent of their sins. We pray this in your son's name, Christ Jesus. Amen. All right. How many of you guys and gals have a smartphone? Raise your hand high. High, 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 high. Okay. I would say probably what it was that look like 90% maybe, maybe even more. How many of you uh, sleep with your cell phone in the same room as you? Raise your hand high. Hi. Okay. Good. You know I'm going to report this all back to your parents, right? They probably know this, but how many of you within the first five minutes look at your phone, uh, whether it's on text or social media, within the first five minutes? Raise your hand. Oh, waking up. Sorry. I wasn't asking for commentary. I was just asking for a raise of hand. Sorry. All right. Five minutes. Hi. Hi. I see one like this. Ethan. Hi. There we go. There we go. I, you were down like this. I just couldn't see. All right. All right. How about within the first? Okay, that's good. That's good enough for us. Um, let's go to the next slide. What's your reaction when you see that? Huh? Like somebody, make a, somebody raise your hand and make, make a comment. When you see that, what's your first reaction? L- loud. <laughs> okay, besides a commentary on the maker of the, but that was witty, suffocating, right? All right, back. Self-consumed. Oof? Is that a word? Oof? I know boof, but oof is a word. Okay. Okay, so when you see something like that, when I first saw this, like a year ago, it actually startled me. Next slide. (laughs) That's not the same, right? No. Totally different, right? We wouldn't wouldn't put a... Right? No, right? We wouldn't do that, right? No, but do we... Have you guys seen that? Yes, I do. Is that somebody said walk much? I thought somebody said that. Okay, so let's go. Let's keep going on. Is technology a sin? No, right? It's not a sin. Um, it's a tool like many that can be used for good or evil. A hymnal, a prayer, um, apps. It can be used for anything. Let's uh, look at some of the, we'll look at a few videos. Just to show that it's just not Erwin and Mike Petrock. And actually, my name is Erwin Webble. From Mansfield, Mike Petruck from Brunswick Hills. But it's just not us talking about this. All right, we'll look at another one. And you described it as, as a wonderful device that brought you educational tools. It allowed you to surf the web. It allowed you to watch videos. It allowed you to interact with other people. And he basically said it's the best way to do all those things. Two years later, when he was asked, uh, your kids must love the iPad, he said, actually, we don't allow the iPad in the home. The reason why he said that was because he recognized just how addictive the iPad was as a vehicle for delivering things. But once you had the iPad in front of you, or when you took it away from the home with you, you'd always have access to these platforms that were very addictive, that were hard to resist. So where his kids were very well adapted, well adjusted, may not have been prime targets for, say, substance abuse, they, like everyone else, are susceptible to the charms of something like an iPad and what it delivers. Interesting, the founder or the one that 
basically built it, said, oh, I'm not going to let my kids do it. That's too, that's too invasive. So sometimes the people in the world probably may have a little bit more restraint and wisdom when they're building something uh, for that. Okay, it says, on average, parents spend, say their children spend five hours using an electronic device on a typical weekday. How many, how many here spend less than, more than five hours on your smartphone per day? How many are not telling the truth? All right. How many, how many uh, three hours or more? How many, how many of you guys do not have time at times to read the Bible a chapter a day? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, let's go to the next one. We're going to be flying through some of these. Technology, we ask, is it good or evil? It's neither. In fact, what do you guys think gives God glor- more glory? If you see a garden, like a vineyard or an orchard or the wilderness. Any thoughts? Ruby? Okay. That's a good thought. In fact, the garden gives God more glory. When we go to the streets of gold in, in the city, everything is advancing. God gave us all these tools immediately in the garden. God, textile industry started, right? He gave clothing to mankind in fact i would actually almost say the smartphone that's in your hand is the culmination of what god is intending for human beings not the culmination as of right now it's going to continue on into the future but god has given us all these things in job 28 it talks about the mining industry silver gold and iron raw materials technology all it is is when this world was created god it's it was the wilderness when you see a garden, when you see a vineyard, you know there's a creator. Somebody did that. Somebody made that. Somebody, God interjected human beings to do something in his image, to mold it. When he made Adam and Eve, he said, I want you to, or Adam, in fact, I want you to dress and keep, to manipulate, to cultivate the garden. So, in fact, the greater glory, if I can use that term, can come, comes in all the way ultimate to the city. Now, there's obviously sin in the big city, but that's, that's not what we're, we're talking about here. The smartphone is the, is the culmination right now. 70 pounds, the computer that took the astronauts into space and the Apollo 16 was about 70 pounds. What you have in your hand is 10,000 times more the computing power. Many of you guys are wondering if I'm an avid tennis guy i'm really not i do play tennis this is the biggest racket on the market right now it's like 142 i think square inches the worst player that you are the bigger the racket that you need so that's me i got this racket but this is not what's in here what's in here is because you ever ever read an axe at camp all right is this evil or good it depends okay let's go to the one video I don't want to embarrass I don't, my, my two daughters that are in here. I won't name them names. They, they rhyme with Shmia and Shmighty. All right. Yes. So this is, if you want to know where I got those socks, I can tell you. Okay, so what did I use it here for? Destroying, right? Same. This is one weapon used for destroying, right? All right. The next one is a little bit of a fashion disaster, my kids told me. So this is not what you want to look like with those socks. So what am I using? The, what am I using? I wanted to do that in here, but I, I thought the wood would like shoot out and hit you guys in the front row. You would definitely be in danger. So I didn't do it. I wanted to. Plus, I wanted to make sure I could hit it all the way through. Okay. 
Okay, so next, next one. So technology can be used for evil or for good. All right, so um, one thing you also have to remember is the people that are making these phones, you're a consumer to them. They want you to buy things. The more you're on your cell phone, the more screen time that you're on there, the, you want better screens, better batteries, you, you go buy more, you want, you want uh, better apps. These, it's, it, you're an industry. Social media, when Facebook came out, it was purely, you, you would, it was, there were no advertisements on it. But they knew down the road they were going to grab us and we were going to be huge consumers. Just remember, as teens, you, sometimes you like your parents telling you everything that you need to do. Is it, an, is it a little bit, dis, it's a little bit annoying, right? Right? Just remember, as a consumer, as you, with your smartphone, you are being told what to do. You are being, they're, they're using you. So always remember, if you're an independent teen, just remember what the smartphone is designed really to do. Um, the other thing is, you're a target, all of us are, as believers, as unbelievers, of satanic uh, influence. The world coming in, changing our views, rooting out Christianity. That's what it's for. All right, next slide. The book that we're going to be going over, and we're going to go fly through this, is 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You. So I, we're not going to have much time to go through this, but this book is available. You can buy it online. I have five of them that um, I'm going to mostly give maybe to the adult, but I could probably give out a couple if you, if you so choose, but you definitely should read it if, if I give it to you. So we're going to go over this. The first thing is we're addicted to distraction, this author is saying. The smartphone gives us that addic- addiction to distraction. You know, when you're, when you're in line somewhere, what's the first thing that we do? If you're waiting in line at McDonald's, what's the first thing you do? You fl- take out your phone and you, you, you start typing in there. What's that, what's that limit? That keeps us from talking to the person next to us. And as, and as Christians and as interactive people, we're supposed to be talking to other people. But remember, Satan does want to isolate us so that we're not witnessing to others. Um, what are some ways anybody has any ideas that technology can improve our relationships? There are ways. Technology, remember, is not evil in and of itself. It is not, um, it's adiaphorous. It's the word, it's morally neutral. Technology is morally neutral. So what are some ways it improves relationships? Yes, when you leave camp, you can, leave, you can, leave, you can talk to people the next week, the next day. They, they might be hundreds of miles away. Any others? That's one. That's good. Okay. Um, the statistic shows that we check our smartphones 81,000 times a year, about every 4.3 minutes of our waking lives. Do you guys think that's a lot or little or too much? Or you never even really thought about it? That's... That's a lot, right? It seems, seems a lot. It's kind of interesting, right? Okay, next slide. So we're addicted to distraction. Tell me what you see in this slide here. Now, there was a famous person that was seen here. What do you see with this, uh, this guy over here on the side here? What is he doing? There's a famous person that's being watched. What's he doing? Is he watching the guy that's there? No. He's looking at his phone. It's probably it's, it's powering down. He's like, oh, man. And the person that he's seeing is, he's missing it. Okay, you have this girl over here, this, uh, the black girl. She's, what is she doing? Is she looking at the person? Through her cell phone though, right? And she's kind of probably, oh, I can't, she could probably lean in. Um, this girl over here, the girl that looks like the nurse with the phone in front right, right there. What is she doing? She's watching and filming, right? She's kind of doing a little bit of both. Do you notice anyone in there in particular? 
the old grandma, what's she doing? Just enjoying the moment. Just enjoying. This, this interesting, this photo went viral, you know, on the internet as someone that is enjoying the moment without, how many times when you see something wonderful, I got to get my smartphone out and I got to take a picture. Sometimes there's some beauty in just enjoying the moment. All right, next slide. Uh, we ignore our flesh and blood. Why, if you're texting and driving, how is that, texting and driving, especially as teens, is terrible. Because first of all, you're terrible drivers. Every single one of you in general, on statistically, especially boys, are terrible drivers. You compound that with texting, you're even worse drivers. Terrible, 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 deadly. Now, why is texting and driving, why is that ignoring flesh and blood? Anybody have any ideas? All the way in the back. Yes, okay. And who are you texting? No, who, who is the person that is not you texting when they're, is it, is it somebody far away usually? Okay, so, all right, somebody who's a little bit more savvy. Close or far away. It's, it's not somebody within, so here you are texting somebody far away and here you are running into somebody, your own flesh and blood close to you. This is what this is saying. When we're, we're so self-absorbed, we're following somebody far away, and yet we're ignoring flesh and blood around us. We're in line there, and we're, texti- we're texting someone when there's somebody maybe God wants us to talk to that's right in front of us. And we're so, no, we're too busy talking to somebody that's miles away. We're ignoring those that God has placed in our midst that we need to touch. Um, I'm going to just say it. Read uh, John 2. Uh, 1 through 12, uh, 1, 12, it basically says, John was saying, I want to write you a letter, but I'm, I'm so eager instead of writing you a letter. And that was technology back then, writing a letter, right? He goes, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm more eager to see you in person, flesh and blood in person. So we ignore flesh and blood. Next, we crave immediate approval. How many times when you're, when we're doing something, we, want, we look to see how many likes are on there. How many have done that? Have gone and, and checked, posted something online and checked how many likes do we have? I've done it. Oh, I'm the only one? Okay, there's more. Yeah, we all do it. Come on. We have counted and said, why did this picture get more than this? What did I do here? This got 112, but this one didn't. I need to have more with my family. If I put more of my family in there, they're all going to like it. We, we crave immediate approval. This line on the bottom says, the praise of man is finite and fickle, but the preference of God is forever. We need God's approval. Next. We lose our literacy. How, does, how, do you, how would you think smartphones help us lose our literacy? What's that? Louder. Autocorrect. Yeah, there, there you go. We don't know how to spell. I have that problem. I Sometimes I'm like, I don't know how to spell if I'm just writing it out. You? Okay. How about when we're reading an article? Do we tend to skim through it or do we tend to just read it deep what's the tendency i'm not saying this is always skim and the bible says and there's one scripture uh, psalm one two we are to meditate what's the word meditate does meditate mean skim nope and day and night does day and night imply short so sometimes we have to be very careful our smartphones can make us illiterate and we don't we when we wrestle with the things of god god's a deep god look at look at this world look at this creation he's a powerful deep god 
we tend to try to skim through him and then we read the scriptures and we get frustrated oh i don't understand this this is too deep the bible is oftentimes meant to be deep because god is not a simplistic god he's an awesome awesome god just we got to be be wary of that that i can do that next we feed on the produced what does that mean anybody have an idea what free feeding on the produced yes we give our attention to what the world has made rather than on god and it's filtered facebook instagram uh any of these google uh feeds that we get it's filtered and they do have they have actually filters where they filter out stuff that's god related or anything that's viewed as hate speech we have to remember as independent people and as as christians what's coming into us it's oftentimes filtered it's not what's what's really going on out there need to remember that yeah oh my goodness are you serious stop it correct it right now no we're not going to thank you though i'll correct it for the next one for tomorrow appreciate it okay we feed on the produce just need to be very very wary of that next we become what we like this is what the author was saying here is that we become the things that we like that we you know that you press like on or you you follow there's a tendency for us as believers and as, as all humans to start becoming like that so I think we need to be as Christians and as young people, especially those of you that are believers here, have have placed your faith in Christ. Be careful what you do like. My brother-in-law, I think, said, when you like something, it's like going into the front of the pulpit and saying, or at the pulpit and saying, you are for this activity. You're for this person. When we like someone that has a that is a very much an unbeliever and has a path and, and is, is a following a very bad lifestyle, possibly even homosexual or transgender or a satanic worshiper, a witch. You know, we sometimes we tend to differ, differentiate what well, we're going to be buddy buddies with someone that's transgender, homosexual and all this. But we wouldn't do that to somebody who's a witch or somebody who's a murderer. And I would actually ask ask. I don't know how much of a difference is there. These are things we need to need to wrestle with. We become what we like. Mike. Okay, so the um, next one seven is that we get lonely. So smartphones and social media were supposed to cure this epidemic of loneliness in the human heart. But the harsh truth is that you can still be lonely even in the midst of a digital crowd. You can be very lonely how many of you feel like even though you're connected in so many ways that you're you're still lonely yeah it, it's true and 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 um so in technology as, as brother Irwin is mentioning about thinking about what these producers are making it's actually by design drawing us apart because if you think about it if i was apple or microsoft or something like that and i wanted the most amount of money I would want everybody to have their own individual device and many of those devices. Um, so it's, it's kind of drawing, those, drawing us apart rather than having like one phone or one computer per family or per community group. We're having, um, everybody has their own. The eighth point uh, that Tony Reinke in his book has is that we get comfortable in secret devices and secret vices rather. And I know that uh, Brother Werner had a, um, he actually had adult forum on this just preceding this. But so with these secret devices, you no longer need to go to a desktop computer or a laptop computer even to visit something like pornography or something that's, that's really bad for um, your mental, 
physical and spiritual health. You can just pull it out of your pocket anywhere in the world and, and feed off of it. So there's this idea that I can be an anonymous. And there was actually this website, I won't name it, but there was this website mentioned in this book that people bought into this lie that they could just go and they could put their email in and it would be secret and no one would know, but they could sign up to have an affair with someone else. Well, it turned out actually to be a huge lie and most of it actually wasn't true. But as a result of it, some hackers, they got into to figure out who the emails were, who the names were, and they released it on, the website, on, their, on their website. And as a result of that, there was actually an influential pastor, I believe, that committed suicide because of his reputation, just from a secret thing that was entered. Um, there was another leading uh, pastoral figure that um, was disciplined at least for a year. And, and just a lot of people got, got in big trouble for this. Um, could you imagine the interaction when their wife, when their spouse found out that they went to this website to do this? And what kind of conversation that involved? And marriages broke apart because they secretly went onto their device and entered their email and they thought this was anonymous. They thought it was secret. They thought it was secure. But isn't that such the nature of a sin? And this was, in a way, through the smartphone and devices, sin can just really explode and come into, into the open. So in a survey of 8,000 Christians, ongoing pornography use is a major, major issue and an epidemic of our time. And even among Christians. Um, so this is not something that's just outside of the church or outside of the ACC. This is something that's in the church that we really have to counsel with, and especially men. But it's not just to, the, to young men or to old men. It's also to women. It respects no demographic, and it wants to feed on everybody. It's a, a billion-dollar billion industry. And it's driven by this idea of, of curiosity, the thirst for novelty. And if you think about at creation, how God prohibited Adam and Eve from eating from one tree. And, and there was this um, you know, prohibition right there. And they failed in their self-restraint. And that's what's happening in this way as well. And they wanted to feed their curiosity to go, be, go beyond. And they had committed, all, you know, a person that's viewing this, Jesus says, basically, or looks upon a woman with lust in their heart is committing adultery already in their heart. And he says, take radical measures. So if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. Um, not literally, of course, but taking radical measures. He says, it's better to lose one eye than have your whole body thrown into hell. And in, the, in this book, he parallels this to, to these devices, saying, if your scrolling hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better to lose the capacity to scroll for pornography than to have your whole body thrown into hell. It's better to enter into heaven having decided never to use the internet again. I know that's radical, right? But isn't Jesus calling for radical measures? Rather than going to hell, clicking on everything that your eye desires. And there are filters, to get to a practical side of this, there are filters to help with accountability if uh, you're struggling or even if you're not struggling in this area, if you, you want to prevent yourself from going into this. Um, Covenant Eyes, for men, there's a Conquer Series DVD, there's a Circle device, and you can go on and on to put those measures in place, those guardrails you need. I like how Ranky connects these problems to what we need in Jesus Christ. He says that true freedom from the bondage of technology comes not mainly from throwing away the smartphone. That's one thing, but that's not what 
Brother Irwin and I are telling you to do, but from filling the void that you are trying to fill with the pleasures of the device, ultimately there is one that can fill that, and that is the glories of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The ninth one is that we lose meaning. So we're drowning in data, right? And the, the reason that bro, Brother Irwin said, you know, and I find myself too, scrolling through things digitally rather than in print. And I prefer to read in print, although I read, I read both. But there's just so much data. We can't consume all of that data. And so we have to scroll, and I just look at bullet points and stuff. Oh, this is not relevant. I'm going to move on to the next article. But this sea of news and gossip is causing short attention spans. I know with myself too. I'm losing the ability to, to focus, um, and it's a discipline I have to work on for myself. And if you look at knowledge, it's never really actually given to us in that form. When you, when you go to college, when you want to study and pursue something, you have to search it, and you have to pursue it out. The Bible talks about that. In uh, Mars Hill here in Acts 17.21, For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. And isn't that our generation? People just, even, even Christians, are so into, interested in uh, being news junkies. In contrast, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. And we have to learn to treasure that most precious um, wisdom and knowledge that's not going to be in, embedded in any website and any device, but ultimately find, found in Jesus Christ. He's the one that defines the purpose and the meaning in your life and my life, in our digital age of the present and in every age. We fear missing out. There's actually a term called FOMO, F-O-M-O, the fear of missing out. This anxiety that something is exciting or interesting happening elsewhere, close by or elsewhere in the world, and I'm seeing it on social media, and I'm, I'm missing out. I'm not there for whatever reason. I'm not able to be there. Or we're thinking we compare ourselves and that's a trap that we can all get in. Someone on social media, they're posting the best of their life. They're having a, a great relationship. They're having a great marriage. They're having a great house. They're having great children, a great job. But look at me. Poor me. And I compare myself to that person um, or wh whatever it is that I'm comparing myself to. And it's highly contagious it's universal, universal, and it progressive rap rapidly. And he, in this book, he goes at length of this example of this Amish woman who, for 18 years, she was unplugged, she was offline, and then she got a she got a smartphone, and she got so into it, just like like all of us do, that she went on a mission trip, and it was not in the U.S. She couldn't wait to come back to the U.S. so she could be back to the always on. And so here's a person who, for 18 years, had been offline, and now they're wired in the same kind of way. So it, it's not just because we grew up in this generation. But there is, in this book, the only breaking news that ultimately matters. So if you didn't check your news at all on your device, there's one piece of news that I hope you get from camp this week, is that the kingdom of God has broken into our world through, through Jesus Christ. And that kind of news demands our sustained attention. And there is a fear of, of missing out. There's one legitimate fear of eternally missing out, of standing at the judgment seat uh, and not accepting Jesus Christ and what he has done for your life. That's, that's the fear, and here is the Hebrews 4.1. Another thing, so 11, as we're wrapping to the end of the points here, the 12 points, is that we become harsh to one another. 
Has everyone, anyone noticed that, that through, through an email or through, or through a text, a social media post, that people are harsher than they are face-to-face? How many have, have noticed that? Maybe um, someone has reacted more harshly towards you, or maybe you even find yourself, wow, I have this boldness behind a keyboard um, that I don't have in person. And people are um, becoming harsh this way. It was even said about, about Paul in 2 Corinthians 10.10, for his letters, they say, that was the technology of the day, like Erwin said, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. And this is what Erwin uh, mentioned here about the technology of the day and preferring, especially if you're going to correct someone, um, if you're going to have a more important, you can, you can praise them online. That's fine. But if you're going to correct someone, counsel someone, don't just go into a social media uh, storm online. Do that face-to-face in person, if possible. Or pick up the phone and call them one-to-one. And we see that in our society, just the anger from the human heart is just overwhelming. Um, We even have influential government figures that are constantly tweeting and posting things that are probably not the best. So question, should I post this? Should I respond this way? Should I tweet this? Or should I not? The Bible says in James 4, 1, don't speak evil of one another. So you, you have some, something that you heard about someone, some dirt. Don't just post it uh, online for all the world to see. Or even if a church is struggling or a denomination is struggling, don't post that on the world so that the whole world sees that that church's problem or that denomination's problem or that leadership team's problem. That can have a reputation towards that church or towards the name of Christ, which is more important. So use self-restraint. And lastly, we lose our, our place in time. Life online is just a whiplash, and Erwin and I were talking about this yesterday. We're, we're scrolling through our Facebook feed on our smartphone, right? And we have deep sorrows, unexpected joy, cheap laughs, profound thoughts, dumb memes. We have deaths just coming up. We have births. We have engagements. And we get desensitized by our feel, in, um, in our feelings. So live in the moment, as, as you mentioned. And are we entitled to spend hours every day, every month, browsing these odd curiosities? The scripture's answer is no. I am not my own. My time, my body, my mind, I'm not my own, as opposed to what our culture is teaching us. I'm owned by the Lord. I've been bought by a Christ, bought bought with a price. I have to glorify Christ with my mind, my heart, my thumbs, my, uh, my fingers, and my time. I have I don't have time to kill. I have time to redeem. So at the end here, we want to give some tips about living smartphone smart, and he, he talks about that at the end of the book after diagnosing the problem. So feel free to um, give your own tips as well as we have time. So in an act of courageous self-criticism, I have to ask myself three questions. The ends. Do my smartphone behaviors move me toward God in a closer personal relationship with God? Or am What am I doing with this phone moving away from him? Influence. Do my smartphone behaviors edify me and others, or do they build nothing of lasting value? Think about it. Today, um, the influence that you have, you can post something, and maybe you have 100 friends, 150 friends, or, or even many more, but that's just like someone giving a sermon in a relatively large church, a medium-sized to large church. You have that amount of influence by what you post. And influence is leadership, right? 
Servitude. Do my smartphone behaviors expose my freedom in Christ or my bondage to, te- to technique? Just, we, Erwin and I want you to be more critical and more mindful of why am I pulling that phone out of my pocket every five minutes? Why am I doing this? What's it serving for? And when am I doing this? Use your phone for a purpose. Use it together with other people. Set goals for when you use it. And be mindful. Just think about what you're doing. The bedroom is really key, and a few of the tips go go towards that. Um, That we should wake up before our devices do. They should go to bed before we do. And Erwin and I are talking to you not like we've mastered everything. This is something that is a challenge in my own life. One of the suggestions is, if you can, um, keep your phone out of your bedroom. Use a real alarm clock, not your phone alarm, to keep the phone out of your hands. Um, don't bring your phone or tablet to bed. Not only there is there the, the blue light and so forth that will mess up your circadian rhythm and um, prevent you from falling asleep um, on time, but um, just disturbing news. Like sometimes I'm wondering, like I check some news or whatever before going to bed, and then I wonder, why was I disturbed? by that news or that email or whatever, and now I can't go to sleep because I'm just thinking about it. If I just didn't swipe, if I just waited until 9 o'clock in the morning, I could have slept through that night much better. What's the first thing that you check in the morning? Is it your social media or is it the Bible that you check out? And he talks about guarding your morning disciplines and your evening, evening sleep patterns. Just simply turn off your phone at certain times of the day. We're, not, we're really not that important that we, most of us, are not on call like an emergency medical doctor or something where we need to always be on. Have an accountability partner. Limit the amount of checks that you're doing for checking your email, checking posts online. Maybe check them between a certain period of time in the morning, in the afternoon. Here's a, here's a convicting question. Would your social media presence have enough evidence to convict you as a Christian? as your friends, perhaps at, at, at school or so forth, would they see your posts and say that you are a Christian or you're posting things that are not uh, giving evidence that you're a Christian? And even jobs, too. When people are coming in as candidates at my, at my own work, I check out their Facebook if they have one, and I check what they're posting. Um, this, is, this is real. They're posting this publicly, and this is part of their reputation. And perhaps you feel like maybe spiritually you should step away from a certain kind of platform, maybe Facebook or a certain kind of um, device for a, for a season of time. Maybe you feel led to set better boundaries in your life. Erwin and I can't tell you what to do. We can't tell you to throw away your smartphone, and we wouldn't tell you that kind of thing. The Spirit of God has to convict you, and you have to make the next step in obedience toward God. Even consider the total cost. What is the total cost, including device and new devices and and uh, warranties and so forth, and your data plan and all this, what's the total cost of your phone? Do you need to have constant mobile web access for, for, your, for your life? But maybe you need it for, for safety. Can your web access wait? And usually when, when you're driving, it can wait. You even see those signs as you're driving to camp. Um, it can wait. Respond at a later, more convenient time. Notifications are big, and I noticed that in my own life. For Apps that aren't essential to get notifications, turn off those non-essential notifications or use strategic times. Use self-restricting apps to help limit your smartphone time. 
Invite others, invite your friends, invite your parents, invite your family members to give you that accountability and that feedback. How am I using my phone? Is my phone drawing me closer to God or further away from God? I know that Irwin said too, um, when we were talking yesterday, leave your phone out of sight, power it off. He says, he, you can speak to this, that on Sundays he's leaving a phone in his car and he has this wonderful sense of freedom uh, to worship God with the congregation there in Mansfield. Spend time with your family and friends. Digitally detox your life and recalibrate your ultimate priorities. Delete some apps that you really downloaded and installed uh, that you don't really need to use all the time. If, if, it's, if it's not in front of you, I know this even with food, even for myself, if it's in the pantry, I'm probably not going to go and grab that snack. If the, if the app is not on my phone, um, or not on my desktop, I'm not going to go and grab it. So how many of you would be willing to go on a digital detox or see the need for that in your own life? I know Erwin, he told me yesterday. And So there's this website here on desiringgod.org. Erwin, do you want to speak to this digital de- detox? It's called Know When to Walk Away. And one of the things that I learned from Ranky in his book at the, toward the end, he's, he recommends doing one digital Sabbath a week, meaning one day a week, to leave, to not, you go on social media, not use your cell phone, uh, your smartphone. And I've done that, started doing that. Now on Sundays that I'm preaching, if I'm preparing or looking at stuff, I'll bring my cell phone because I'll be searching, you know, if I'm looking on something on the web. But the Sundays that I'm not, and on Wednesday nights, I leave it at home. It is really awesome. And And that throughout that day, I'm generally offline. And that, that has been something probably in the past two months, three months, I read this book about a year ago. But the past three months, I read that and I said, you know what, I'm going to start that. And I think this uh, Christmas, when I'm on break, I'm going to be doing that one week or two weeks of being off, pretty much offline. Um, so some of the things that he talks about, and we're going to go through real quick, that in doing this, and you can look on this um, uh, Mike also talked about de- deleting your buttons. If you delete some of your apps, you know, you can always install them really quick. We all know that. Just deleting it, big deal. But it does take time to install. So if it's off, if it's not right at your fingertips, it's going to be an easier way that you're not going to go right, right on it. Um, you're going to die to the addiction of personal pr- uh, praise. That's a cool thing. Um, you're going to die to the adrenaline rush. And here's the thing. When you go offline for a little bit, and some of you, maybe that have been online nonstop, maybe you even have a uh, Snapchat record of going, always being, uh, having a record of being online. It might, it might be a little bit difficult to break that, that streak, but you're, there's going to be, it's going to be difficult, like almost like someone that's an addict, but you can do it. You're, um, take up, when you, when you do this, take up spiritual disciplines that you wouldn't normally do. Maybe you haven't, maybe there's a book you wanted to read. Maybe there's something... The Bible you wanted to read through in a year. That's something you could do. Um, You could take up writing a journal using a pen and paper. Even books, reading some books, some larger books, even if it's a fiction book. Actually, paper, you know, going to the library. These are some things you could do while you're doing your digital detox. Taking up a bigger project, writing a book, writing to people or something something along those lines. Meeting with people. Um, And one of the things that... People will do, they love to, when they go back online, they love to tell everybody about what it was like to be offline for two weeks. 
resist that urge. If you do this, because what you do is you ultimately, in a way, cheapen what you were doing. So a lot of times, you'll see people say, I'm off Facebook for two, you know, two weeks. They declare it, and then they come back, and then they go roaring back, and they say all the things that they experienced. Resist that urge. But it is a real thing I'd like many of you guys to consider. See if you can do it. Start off with one day a week. Leave your phone at home. Leave your phone at home. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing, nothing dramatic is going to happen that you're going to need to do that, that you're going to miss out on something. So those are just some suggestions that, that this book uh, teaches. Have any of you guys done anything yourselves to personally to limit your time online that you've needed to do and you thought that was really beneficial that we could benefit from? Others in your group could. Yes, you. You deleted Instagram because you're spending too much time in it. Okay. Well, my mom started making me do the uh, only have your phone for one hour a day. And then she finally let me have my phone back, and I sort of just kept going with it. One hour a day? All right. Okay, good. So you just deleted an app, and you don't. Any other, any other suggestions in the back? Oh yeah, that's I love that, right? Do you have it back yet? Oh yeah, of course. Did you learn? Are you still back to your old habits? What's your name so I can talk to your parents? No, I don't. I won't even. All right. My mom would take our phone after dinner and. Or we would put our phones on the table at dinner time, and then we weren't allowed until the next morning, and that really helped. Okay, so you eat dinner without your phone? You find you are interacting with each other more? Yes. Awesome. Okay, so it's putting the uh, the devices down. Uh, anyone? Uh, Friedrich. No electronics. Now, how much? You, how many? How much of the Bible do you have to read? No electronics until you read your Bible. How much would you have to read? A, a word? How much? Okay. Good. Very good. So basically, forcing read the Bible first before you go on. Okay, um, in the back, blue shirt. Say, talk loudly. Okay, so your parents basically tell you to leave the phone downstairs, not take it into the room. That's what you. That's what you do personally. Good. Okay. Anyone else? I I, I did see a lot. At work, I just keep it in my car, and then at home, I'll keep the charger away from my bed or where I am. So if I have to do it, it's more of a task to get up and go and check what I have to. So I'm not, it's not by me so I can check it as much. And don't think, that's good. Don't think it's legalism by saying limiting yourself. That's very smart. We Putting barriers between that and oftentimes what is distracting and what is sinful. Um, in, in your guys' life, you're going to have necessary distractions. As a married man, I have necessary distractions. My two daughters that are in here, Leah, and, I don't know where Heidi is, but those are my necessary, and my wife is a necessary good distraction. The phone can be an unnecessary distraction. So there's going to be good distractions and bad distractions. Limit the unnecessary ones. Okay, any other ones? These are really good. Okay, um, gentlemen in, in the striped shirt. Uh, so I have a uh, Muslim church guy, so you're going to be like the one Okay. Does it keep you out of trouble? Okay. <laughs> Luke. I was wasting insane amounts of data. Okay. It was, more, was it more for data and cost or more for you were doing... Well, in, the amount of data and time. Okay. So what I'm seeing, I love seeing this self-discipline and an accountability that we talked about there. Good. Any other... Um, yeah. Okay. 
in the sanctuary. Hold on. Is this, the question was, does anyone else turn their phone off in church? I, if I leave it at home, it's off? All right. So some of us do turn your phones off at church. Any other good suggestions that you've done to self-restraint? Because we're, we're, all, we're all wrapping it up here. I asked, I asked my mom to put a screen time on my phone, so I didn't use it as much. I think it was like an hour a day. You asked your mom to restrain you? Does your mom restrain herself? Uh-huh. Ah, good, good answer. I like that. All right, any other ones? Any other comments? Any other? Yep. Um, so my parents, well, this isn't exactly self-restraint, but they, like, on our Wi-Fi router specifically, they can see all the different devices that are using it, and then they can tell it to, like, turn off at a certain time. So, like, every night at 11 o'clock, my Wi-Fi shuts off, and I can't use it anymore. And then, like, it doesn't turn on to, like, after 7 in the morning or something. You guys do Circle? Uh, no, actually. It's just something else. Oh, because my family loves Circle. They love Circle, right? Circle's the best. Even my niece and nephews, they love Circle. I won't mention them. They don't want to embarrass them. No, Circle's a way to restrain the activity. Um, what was the other question I want to ask? Question. Um, all right, one, let's do one more. All right, quiet down. What? No, we, we would not think that of you. Okay. Would you say your parents, this is just going to be a general, how many of you would raise your hands and say, maybe your parents, remember this, is, uh, this will be good feedback for your parents at the forum tomorrow. Do you think your parents exhibit good restraint on, with their smartphones? How many would raise their hands that your parents, and it's okay, I'm not gonna, you're, I won't personally say which ones, but how many of them think that they could probably use some restraint? Raise your hands. Right. I will. I will give that. We will give that feedback back. All right. It's we got. To, this is it, right, Jen? Jen, don't worry. She's just doing it. She's just doing it to mess you. Mess with you. We have. Very, no, it's, is it time now? I mean, no. Is it 15 after? Right. That's what, that's all we got, right? Okay. We end at 12:45, right? For it. Let's go. You guys are. Uh, you've been a great crowd.